Hey everybody, welcome to E-Commerce Answers, a podcast produced and sponsored by Acorin, a leading e-commerce agency. My name is Frank Thompson. Every episode, we're going to explore, analyze, and discuss key issues facing both B2B and B2C e-commerce merchants. We're going to look at a wide range of topics with a bias towards trends and technologies that merchants, e-commerce team members, and the media will be interested in. Welcome. Hi, listeners. I'm excited to share a conversation with Josh Visako, who's been an important member of our <clears throat> design and creative direction freelance team for a number of years. He works with us on a number of key clients and projects. Uh, Josh also has a, a great little website called Art of the Cart, where you will find uh, valuable tips on e-commerce uh, UX and usability. Uh, wanted to chat with Josh about uh, current trends in e-commerce design. I think uh, you'll find this uh, chat helpful in understanding where um, we think uh, design is going in the e-commerce world this year in 2022. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, Josh, how's it going? Good. How are you? Uh, I am excellent. Um, I know you're you're super busy, so just wanted to say really appreciate your uh, spending some time on this. Uh, no, this is going to be fun. Um, I've, I've never been part of a podcast, so. Uh, There's always a first, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. I've, I've only been a host for 12 of them or so, but, yeah. um, you know, I think um, they, they can be a lot of fun. And um, I, I like to have these conversations like we're just sitting down having a cup of coffee, very casual. Um, Good. So um, I recorded an intro where I basically gave a a, a quick view of your role with the Corin as one of our lead uh, freelance design resources. But um, I wanted to kick off by um, just asking you to introduce yourself and your background and um, maybe just chat a little bit about how your design experience led up to you doing working on e-commerce design, um, both with us and with and with other firms too. Yeah. Are you already recording? Yes, I am. Oh, cool. So you want me to just kick off? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm Joshua Bizarro. I'm a uh, fractional creative director. Uh, I have a design studio that specializes in e-commerce design uh, specifically, um, but the background in working with all sorts of businesses at different sizes from startups to fortune 500 companies over the course of my career. I've been in design for, I'd say 13 years now and um, trying to go at independent pretty much the whole time, but independent to me means collaborations. And I've had some really great opportunities to collaborate with lots of other fantastic designers and marketing professionals and different agencies throughout New England and um, a core in being uh, uh, one of them. So right. we, we appreciate that because uh, yeah. we, lo- we, lo- we love working with you. I love working with you as well. So um, I got started uh, with uh, UI UX at the very beginning of my career. And I had uh, a great mentor, Modest Iterand, and uh, we were in Providence, Rhode Island, and he had just a wealth of knowledge to share with me um, when I was still pretty green. And um, we were working on pretty complex design systems. Uh, We had traditional information architecture roles um, supporting us. And we worked on things like CVS uh, 
pharmacy, CVS Health, when they transitioned um, to their rebrand, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Rhode Island, um, lots of different, uh, really large, complicated design systems. And in so I really- within, within web design? Within web design, yeah. yeah. And I still had a passion at that time for, for brand as well. So um, I think as the years have gone on, I've, 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 I still have um, the ability to speak into brand, but I'm, I'm doing less of that work now, I'd say. I'm doing more of uh, the system work behind uh, larger interfaces. And, yeah. um, and e-commerce is just someplace I sort of naturally fell into. Uh, my wife's also a designer and a partner with my studio, and she also has a background in um, working with some of these digital agencies. She was working with ZMags uh, back yep. in the day and yep. doing some healthcare user interface design. She ended up in um, in Boston at some agencies and then ultimately at Wayfair for several years as an art director. So she brings a wealth of knowledge to the e-commerce space too. So we we sort of just saw this pattern emerging in our work that e-commerce was like a natural playground for us and an opportunity uh, as designers e-commerce is a great place to be because it's an an entry point if you can do ui ux well spe specifically in commerce it's an entry point into helping brands uh with all the other brand touch points that they have from yeah. packaging to yeah. uh, their marketing materials photography um, so that's kind of that's kind of like why we ended up in that direction i think um yeah. You just have a, a a much wider impact on the companies that you're working with and the founders that you're working with. Yeah, um, and and just given the the progression of e-commerce, it, it feels like, and we kind of talk about this on our on our website, and when we talk with prospective clients and and most established e-commerce agencies and SIs are starting to think this way that um, e-commerce experience is obviously evolving beyond like what we call the ca the catalog and the cart. Yeah. And so, um, you know, progressive, progressive merchants know they need to um, not only be thinking about all aspects of the experience about outside of an e-commerce website and social commerce and all those things and all the marketing activities around it, but even within an e-commerce website, um, they're, we're all bombarded by the, the marketing of different technologies, different plugins that we oh, can yeah. use to create um, very progressive um, merchandising experiences. And we'll talk about uh, yeah. some, some of the recent work uh, in a little bit. But um, given that, that that progression, do you, do you feel like the um, design methodology has, has changed at all um, com compared to say 10 years ago? Or are, um, you know, are, are most merchants and agencies kind of working the same way with the same creative process or, or is it kind of all over the board? Yeah, that's, a great question. that's a great question. Um, I, I, I am seeing sort of a, a wider range um, of how, of how these things are being approached. The traditional sort of method is you have uh, an in-house sort of marketing team and they're creating assets and then you just kind of pop those onto the website. Um, and there's, it can be great. Um, a lot of marketing designers are very talented and you can see that in, in their banners and, and things like that. But, yeah. but we're always trying to um, encourage these brands to move into more of a, a digital first um, sort of mindset where it's not 
Um, it's not just like uploading creative assets to your website and thinking that's going to do it now um, with like embedded text. Um, it's, it's really about building the system behind it so that it's uh, more, <clears throat> excuse me, functional and um, responsive so that you can update the comp the information on the back end and to swap out images as you need to but <clears throat> excuse me um it's it's less about embedded text uh more it's more functional it's more accessible so i'm always trying to build in new systems for the brands that we're working with to to be thinking about it um from this truly digital perspective um i think maybe, maybe that helps speak into that a little bit <clears throat> yeah, uh, um, but in, let, let's let's talk a little bit deeper in terms of the um, like the the process and so forth for designing an e-commerce website. Just given um, that requirement that that these companies really leverage their brand and their assets, um, are, are are most merchants spending a lot of time doing research and developing use cases, personas, user flows, and wireframes, and then going into visual design. Is that overall process still pretty much the same or are, are, are people moving faster and kind of saying, well, here's a brief, go right to visual design. <laughs> yeah, I think, again, I think it's all over the board. Um, <clears throat> we see people with more of the traditional mindset and they kind of know where they're going, but then there's, there's some brands that are um, more, I'd say like more product design oriented in their mindsets where it's about um, lots of iteration, lots of testing things out, um, looking at the analytics, looking at the heat mapping, seeing like what's working, what's not working, really getting involved in talking to their customers, um, mining their reviews, mining social media, figuring really like what's what's the triggers for our clients? Like what are their hesitations? Right. Right. What are the things that they're they're at, why are they actually buying our products that we might not know about? Right. And I I love that perspective and and I I'm encouraging everyone to kind of move into that space a little bit more. Yeah, but it's it's very it's very progressive in my opinion. Um, I I'm I'm still finding that lots of brands. <laughs> Lots of brands are still, um, they still need to get the basics of e-commerce down in the first place. Mm. And, um, and that's, that's really what I like working on right now specifically is um, helping these brands just kind of optimize where they're at. Um, how do you just help them evolve not only their, their visual presence and increasing trust uh, and the brand perception, but also the usability in there and thinking, thinking about um, their sites in terms of the perspective of a first or second time customer and what do they need to understand and, and what's not clear on their website. It's, it's to me, it's like all about clarity, um, and trust initially. And I think once, once sites sort of get that down, um, the next, per, the next stage of progression for their business, and it really is a, a business decision is to, how do we move this into the next phase where we're iterative and we're testing and looking at right. data. Right. Um, but I'm just not seeing a lot, a lot of like brands there yet. And I think there's still a lot of barriers, a lot of unknowns um, around conversion rate optimization and lots of misconceptions. Yeah. And, um, and it's scary, you know, like, well, we got to look at all these, all these numbers and, and kind of <laughs> figure out what's going wrong or what's going right. And, uh, and, you know, user testing and user interviews is still, 
pretty much uh, in the realm of like UX research agencies and firms. Um, so it needs to it needs to become a little bit more democratized, uh, and I think it will be. I think there'll be more and more tools eventually being developed to help brands kind of get over those hurdles. Um, you just you just mentioned tools. Are there are there any given that there's this really kind of an education component in um, in gaining the trust of a merchant as you help them with their e-commerce design? Are there any are there any tools that that you utilize when you're doing a, a design presentation to um, to show the the rationale for the designs that you're proposing. Or is it really just um, it, it, is it less about the tool and is it is it more about explaining um, why you've decided to design things um, the way they need? Yeah, to it's a I'd say it's a combination of uh, past experience working with other brands and understanding um, what went well for them. It's also leveraging UX research and finding um, trusted UX research. Uh, places that are regularly publishing articles on their really deep findings across the whole industry. Um, so leveraging that information, leveraging educated assumptions. Um, you know, the more I know about this brand's customers, the better my assumptions can be on as to like what will work and what won't work. Um, but it's also, again, that lens of coming into the sites and, and personally, when I'm working on a site, especially if it's like an optimization project, I don't like to know anything about the website when I when I start working on it. Um, Interesting. I, just wanna, I want the URL, and I'm in this, and I'm just going to dive in, and I'm going to be a first time user. And things that aren't clear to me are going to be things that aren't aren't clear to other people. And I think this is a, just a great method in general, just having more people have eyes on your site that have never experienced it before and just getting their raw opinions. Um, we see a lot of issues with how people price their, um, their products, for example, like if they're right. bundled up, you know, there's a lot of things that just aren't clear. So do you think that's true with, um, with the site you're redesigning an existing e-commerce site that has business and that um, you're, you're asked to um, be the, the lead designer for, for a redesign. Um, uh, is that, is that still your first step or do you also like to see the data of how the, the users have uh, flowed through the website and converted or not converted over the last couple of years or whatever? Do you like that data or is it, do you think you know, it's still really important just to, 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 to dive in and, and, and um, look at the experience yourself? I think, I, I think as, as the design process and our studio business evolves, I'd like to get more involved in eyes on that data and having people sort of analyzing that and having a strategy for it. Generally, generally we're working with um, marketing professionals and direct marketing directors, brand directors <clears throat> who have access to a lot of this information done. They've already done like qualitative analysis or quantitative analysis, and they have some of these figures, they have their, uh, their analytics, and they've already been pouring over uh, some of their trouble areas that yeah. they're very well aware of. So taking taking that direction, uh, but also that first time user sort of um, process where we're looking at any website we're doing, even a redesign uh, from a fresh perspective, there's always loads of opportunities um, 
to optimize and to create clarity. Clarity is probably the most important word, in my opinion, for e-commerce sites, honestly. Uh, and I think it's less about usability, but really about being very clear as to like what it is you're selling and, and why it matters. Um, so there's always tons of opportunities to, to be more clear with your customers. Yeah, and I guess that, that makes sense since um, we all know that a website is a, a living, breathing experience. Um, it's always gonna be changing. So we can always use the tools to optimize, right? We can do our A-B testing right. and um, we can add pages and change our landing pages. Um, and we might, you know, that we might get, we might get lost in the data if we overanalyze. Um, it sounds like you're an advocate. If you, if you had a choice in a redesign of an e-commerce website, um, you'd, you'd rather have uh, a room of uh, folks that can experience the website for the first time in addition to yourself um, and have them give uh, feedback on, on how the current experiences versus piles of piles of data. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say so. Yeah. And I don't even think it has to be that many people. Um, just a handful, I think, maybe yeah. under 10. Under 10. <laughs> um, any, any thoughts on, on where e-commerce design or e-commerce experiences is going? Are you, just as you, whether it's related to any projects you're working on or as you browse your phone or your, or, um, your, your web browser and your laptop, are you, are you, um, are you seeing uh, e-commerce evolve in, in any ways that, that kind of excites you that um, you think is going to be trend, trendy in the future? Yeah, I mean, I, I am honestly not a huge social media person. I don't really use it that much, to be honest. And, um, but I have some younger designers that we work with. And they primarily find all the all of the brands that they buy from through TikTok and through Instagram. Um, and and uh, I have one one designer in particular who is always coming up with great examples of of websites to look at for for different design patterns. And I'm like, where did you where did you even discover this brand? Like, it's so small, such a small niche brand. And yeah. So they're they're being found um, on social, and there's there's you know new tools that'll be coming out that allow you to take your shopping experience like completely off um, of the dot com. I mean they, they exist now already, but I think there's going to be even more of them um, popping up, uh, being shoppable videos, um, shoppable embedded things into different websites, uh, just kind of breaking up the entire brand and kind of putting it all over the place, spreading, spreading it out across all these different channels is just going to keep growing. Um, but as far as like the trends for the, the dot coms, I'd say, uh, I think I'm always sort of on the side of encouraging brands with a less is more design approach. Um, like trying not to get too creative with the, uh, the UI UX part. Um, keeping that very clear and simple and then letting, letting a few design elements shine through that are important, especially for, um, design elements that are key pieces in getting people to take action on things and then, yeah. and then leveraging really great 
photography, 3D renderings, video um, assets. I think I think it that's sort of like where a brand needs to come through is in the in the photography and video, um, and less about really like making the website itself um, <laughs> pretty or designed. Uh, the website the website itself should be extremely functional. Yeah, so what what I'm hearing you say is it's um, it, it's hard to create a a great design for an e-commerce website if there's no product photography or if that product photography is is not very good and if there's exactly. no content it's it's more difficult I would say right and can you right. can you still accommodate those merchants that maybe are short on photography shoots and product shots and so forth do you do you work with uh, can you still come up with a website and using stock imagery and um, and oh yeah other ways of course of course and everyone's at different points in that journey right so sometimes you're just not there yet to, to leverage a big photo shoot and multiple different shots and angles of every single product you have especially with larger product categories right but um building building design um to increase the perception of trust is really key uh like if you don't have if you don't have great photography or video assets the visual design of the website needs to be outstanding um, to kind of make up for it. It has to look very trustworthy and polished. Right. Um, and then, you know, you do you do everything you need to do to make sure that the user experience itself, the user flow, the shopping path is very, very clear. Um, the obstacles, you know, and the little road blockers that people encounter on the site have been cleaned up and simplified and clarity has been established everywhere. Those yeah. are all things you can you can do to um, move the move the optimization of the site forward radically, um, even if you don't have you know the investment in those those brand assets just yet. Uh, but you'll get there. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned you, you've mentioned the word clarity a few times now, and and in a world where <clears throat> an e-commerce merchant has to maintain not only uh, their own .com uh, e-commerce website, but um, other social commerce experiences like uh, TikTok or Instagram experience as well. Um, how, what are, the, what are the important factors in making sure those are all working together? Is it, um, is it kind of like, you know, back in the old days when we had style guides to, is it important to just include all those experiences in a style guide? Um, you know, as a, as a brand manager, it's kind of frightening to think about <laughs> another circle of e-commerce experiences I need to maintain yeah. around my already complex e-commerce website. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? I hear that. Um, yeah. You know, the, the social sort of, um, management and styles is is an area that we lightly touch upon for some clients but don't get into too heavily because we're not necessarily a um like a digital media studio like we're not we're not doing tons of video we're not doing video work frankly and then we're not doing a lot of photography work and it's 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 really but it's about establishing I do think it's about establishing a really strong perspective on um, what falls in that range 
of acceptable sort of looks and styles that a brand wants to go with. And of course, within that, there's all there's a huge you know spectrum of of being extremely um, sort of candid and loose and authentic, if you will, with your photography. And then on the other side, being like extremely tight and controlled. Yeah. Um, so, so it really depends on the brand and, you know, the brand managers deciding where they need to be on that spectrum um, and then creating some guardrails for what's acceptable within each of those, those areas that they want to play in. Uh, yeah, but where, I, where you are on the spectrum and within the guardrails sounds like uh, good, um, good guidance. Yeah. Overall. yeah and, and it's, it's, it can be especially difficult, I would imagine, because um, now you're maybe working with influencers, you're working with all sorts of different creators who have their own um, different approaches to how they how they take and shoot and edit photo and video. Yeah, you can have a really wide range of, of styles and then subject matters and even the models that you use. So it can be it can become overwhelming to to manage. Um, I've been really looking into um these they're called dams they're digital asset managers yeah lately i've been looking into those and uh there's some really great options out there right now and i think i think um brands should be trying to leverage some of those tools a little bit more um so that they have a tighter control over seeing all of their assets in one place and tagging them consistently and making sure that all the different marketing people across the entire brand are are on the same page with what's approved assets versus not or what's outdated. Right. I see this all the time with especially with packaged products where um, the packaging changes. Now you have a library of assets where maybe in in this one shot that that's the old that's the old label on the package, right? And I can see how that could get really crazy to manage as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> So I wanted to um, kind of shift topics here a little bit and talk about um, on-site merchandising, and um, you know we're um, obviously working on a on a project for um, a, a prominent luxury uh, ju jewelry brand, um, and so with the virtual try-on customization and and so forth. Um, what do you think are the, the challenging aspects of, of design for e-commerce merchants that are, are trying to, to move into that space? Is it, um, is it the actual complexity of the potential experience or um, is it uh, the technology or is it, um, is, is it, because um, it seems, it seems, um, you know, we're, we're, we're all being, marketed by these tools that are out there to, to help with some of these things. But, um, you know, trying on, uh, virtually trying on uh, glasses on Zenny is very different than, um, you know, placing furniture in a virtual room mm. uh, on, on Wayfair. Um, right. what, what, are the, what are the challenging parts of designing these new rich um, virtual experiences? Any thoughts on that? I think that's it. It's new, right? It's not a lot of the times um, there's nothing to model it against. You know, it's not it's not even like a proven tool yet. You know, you, every single brand has their own unique sort of challenge that they're trying to solve for their unique customer type. And you're you're stepping into the unknown, right? You don't know how 
you don't know necessarily how this thing's going to work when you start. Uh, you may have some ideas on around the technology, um, but you have to just take sort of your your best known practices on thinking through um, what your customers actually need to know versus not. And how do you create clarity again there? Uh, and how do you bring that all together? And, you know, every single one's so different that it can be it can be quite challenging and you have to have a tight relationship with um, the implementation team and the design team and have very strong sense of, <clears throat> of basic um, usability and and also leveraging patterns that already exist in e-commerce. Um, you have to keep using those those established patterns uh, to make things obvious for users that you, you can't be introducing too many new design elements that people just don't know what they are. Um, so staying in the realm of the familiar while building this new experience, uh, it's not an easy task, that's for sure. Yeah, so if um, it sounds like you are, if, if I'm a merchant um, that's, that's uh, um, pushing consumer products that are, are either apparel or can be virtually displayed somehow, it's tempting to be seeing that, oh, I can use this tool. I can, it, it, it seems like I can, there are a number of tools that I can quote unquote plug in to my e-commerce site and then be able to show them virtually so I can give my customers that, that you know, virtual um, in-store experience yeah. online. Um, it's not as simple as just, what I'm hearing you say is it's, it's not as simple. To, you're not going to get clarity if you just try to plug these things in, and um, you know there's a there's a process that um, really needs to be followed to um, identify how that experience is going to evolve um, and which technology is going to be the the right fit for that experience. Whether it's um, you know a virtual try on or or um, something that's more simple. It's more exactly. about exactly, yeah. It's it's more about making sure that the that the, that the customer is clear uh, about the journey, and you're giving them the information not only that they expect, but that helps them understand the product. And and what I'm hearing you say is, you know, maybe although if I'm if I'm buying a if I'm in the market for a futon couch uh, for my beach house. Um, I, there, there might be a, a, a futon uh, furniture brand that can serve my needs with a great series of static images versus virtually setting up um, <laughs> an, an experience in a in a virtual room, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a couple of things in here. There's there's some of these these tools might be a great fit perfectly for some brands, right? Um, if your category, I suppose, is not uh, very nuanced, uh, like you said, like it's it's futons. Um, everyone sort of has an idea on how big a futon is. You can give the dimensions. Uh, maybe, you, you know, maybe there's no value in in having this virtual experience for, for a futon. I don't know. I, I would al always say to a brand like, before you start venturing into this new technology, like, are we doing uh, the best job we can do on the existing 
experience we have now that is working? Um, can we optimize that further before trying to like jump into this whole new thing that, you know, we don't know if people are really going to be leveraging it all that much yet. Um, so is that like the right path right now? Um, and then within those categories, there's, there can be, um, there can be that, that lens of, okay, I sell futons, but maybe my brand is specifically for, um, college students, um, in this certain part of the world, whatever, and that you have to think through, okay, now what does that look like, um, for our specific customer target, um, can we leverage this tool or like, is there some, are there things that we should really be changing in the tool to like speak more clearly to, to our specific customers? And right. I think, I think that's kind of the danger area is, is just finding tools and thinking it's like a blanket fix or solution <clears throat> for your brand when, when it needs to go deeper than that. Um, and then weighing whether or not it's worth doing at all. Yeah, I was I was just at a um, a very large um, growth marketing conference in New York earlier in the week at, at Affiliate East, and there were tons of um, tool you know tool companies. Um, a, a lot of the marketing side uh, companies that are are pushing you know the ultimate A/B testing platforms, mm -hmm. and but then you know some uh, there there were there were a number of uh, e-commerce kind of virtual um simulation um kind of ar type uh plug-in tools that were there too and it's it's pretty overwhelming and um you know it's interesting that these companies are getting are getting funded and they're push push pushing um and uh it, it makes it it makes it a, a lot it makes it overwhelming to kind of sort out what's what's going to work and what isn't so ultimately you know Going back to the foundation of of, um, of uh, I think customer centric design is 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 ultimately what you need to think about. It's easy to get overwhelmed with everything that's out there. Exactly. Yeah. Always be looking at it through the lens of who who are our customers and what do they really need to um, to know, and what can we do to help them, you know, solve their particular um, the thing they're trying to to solve for, and they're always trying to solve for something really. Um, on your site by buying whatever it is you're selling. They're, they're solving a problem they have generally. Um, so yeah, we have to take that customer first, customer lens approach to every decision that we make. So um, this has been great. I wanted to, I wanted to close out with a quick um, touch on, um, on headless architectures, not to, not to scare you. I've still got this uh, point of discussion in here. <laughs> um, and I recorded a, um, a a podcast about about headless a couple of days ago, but um, so not not to put you on a spot too much, but um, have given given that in on the development side of things at Aquarin, we are definitely um, uh, looking at headless architectures where you know, on the front end a, a, a content management system is is decoupled from the e-commerce platform. So um, and and for the primary reason that you know, they can be managed separately in the, the, the front end of experience, um, the, the, the merchandising aspects, the, the brand supporting content can be managed separately from uh, the transaction and the, 
you know, the customer data and all that stuff. Um, has, the, has the evolution of these headless architectures, whether it's um, e e WordPress on top of Magento or um, uh, Strapi on top of big commerce or whatever, has, has, have you felt um, the headless world uh, impacting your design yet or not? Is it really, you're, you're, you're kind of sticking with your methodology and process and you think it's um, not impacting yet. Any thoughts on that? That's interesting. I haven't personally felt it yet, um, but I but I see a lot of benefits for, um, especially for commerce brands that are doing something completely new and unique and don't want to follow the standard sort of um, core pages that you'd find in a typical e-commerce e um, experience. Yeah. Uh, if, if it's a product selling, like a company selling like a very uh, niche item that is a singular item, for example, or there's like just two, two products on their entire brand, um, you know, you, you probably need a very custom architecture for that. And I think that allows a lot of flexibility. Uh, I haven't worked with a client yet that is in that category um, so far where they need um, a completely new uh, sort of architecture or framework. Um, but I'm starting to, starting to, um, I'm starting to see a couple, a couple places that we've been talking to have very unique problems that they're trying to solve. Uh, so I could see that come into play soon. Um, but yeah, not, not yet. I haven't been impacted yet. And, um, part of that is because, uh, Accorin has a really solid development team and, uh, and we work really well together. And so sometimes um, if things are, are headless, uh, from my perspective, I'm not I'm not feeling that at all. And I know That's that right. I'm, being, yeah. I'm being supported by a great team. And yeah, that is true. And we've, 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 we've had debates over whether or not, you know, a virtual um, try on experience uh, that's a custom app sitting on top of uh, a platform is, is, is that headless or is it not headless? Cause it's not a CMS or uh, <laughs> right. know, requires custom development to change it. And maybe it's headless. Maybe it isn't. I think, I think the definition of headless is, is, is still evolving. Um, but um, I think, I think you're right. Our, our technology team is, is using that architecture now in a way that um, it was, you know, it, we, we talk about the decoupling of the experience and, it's okay if you don't know about it. Um, as the designer, um, we're just uh, really trying to make sure that the overall experience is seamless, but that the content can be managed separately from the e-commerce platform. And um, not only for performance reasons and for user experience reasons, but for management reasons too. Um, you know, the client team has um, merchandising experts and product managers that wanna be managing their content in a way that might be very different than the capability of the e-commerce platform can provide. And so exactly. that's, the, I think, one of the main reasons why we're, we're seeing this trend yeah. um, on, the, on the technology side, at least. Yeah. So um, we're, we're, we're closing out here. I re really appreciate the, um, the, the half hour of time. And um, this has been a really helpful discussion. I think um, it's going to be super fun for our listeners to, um, uh, to, to take a listen and um, understand uh, your thoughts on, on e-commerce design. Um, wanted, to, wanted to ask you about um, 
is is art of the cart just a um, is that going to be a new website for your studio or is that um, something else? Just wanted to allow you yeah. to to, yeah. to plug away a little bit here as we close out since I plug a corn all over the intro. <laughs> yeah, thanks. So um, so I've had my design studio for thirteen years now, and um, as we evolve and get deeper entrenched in the in the commerce space, um, one of the things that I came to recognize is that we really like to start um, each of our e-commerce projects with this um, with this lens, like I was talking about earlier, where you're, you're coming into the site um, for the first time, you don't know too much about it, and you're able to do a, an assessment on it as a first time user, really. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So, so what I, what I did was say, you know, this is, this really is the first part of our process. Um, can we, can we take this, this part of the process and just take it completely out and separate it as its own service? Um, so that's what artofthecart.com is right now. It's okay. a, UI, it's a UI UX review service. Um, that is beneficial probably for brands of any size. It's, it's, in my opinion, super high value insights uh, for not a lot of investment, and it can help guide um, your own design team, your development team. It can help you sort of get a lay of the land and prioritize maybe the things that you want to change in the near term um, and, and you know create your phases of work. It can also help influence maybe what, um, give you new ideas and also influence maybe what you want to A-B test. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of information packed inside of it, and it's it's both a perspective of a first time user, but it's also the perspective of uh, professional designers who work in UX for e-commerce specifically, um, who have a very good understanding of the the design requirements that e-commerce yeah. needs and the functionality that e-commerce needs and the clarity that e-commerce needs, all baked into one sort of deliverable for you yeah. uh, that we try to we try to get out in like four weeks. So that yeah. is that's becoming sort of a core offering. And and don't hold me to this, but right now what we're thinking about doing is almost deprioritizing our design studio as sort of like a, a, a secondary page or a sub page or a tab to art of the cart. And because the art of the cart.com UI UX review is is the first part of the process. It's a great entry point to working with us on a wider scope um, of work, whether it's a completely new site or a rebrand re or a refresh or a replatform project. Yeah. So yeah. It, gives you, it gives you a really nice opportunity to see how we think about solving these problems. And then, and then you can decide, hey, we wanna actually implement these changes. Can you work with us? Yeah. Um, and then you go to our studio for that. Yeah, that's that's great. I think um, that can be a very good complement to our technology audit service that that we offer at Acorn, and and um, hopefully, <clears throat> hopefully we can we can bring those two things together for some clients. In the yeah, in the and I, we already we already have been talking about that honestly, and um, it's something that we can white label for sure. You know, um, we do that we do this review audit, uh, whatever you want to call it, and um, yeah. we can you know. We we put a core in on it. It's all part of our our process, and um, and it's it's really great insights. Yeah, awesome. Um, well, Josh, I appreciate your time once again. This has been um, exactly what uh, I was looking to uh, 
to get out of today's podcast. Um, for our listeners, just want to make sure I will um, add the um, Art of the Cart URL and Josh's contact information in the in the episode notes. And um, thank you for for joining and um, great great stuff. Looking forward. Thank to you. Thanks for having me, Frank. You all. Yeah. All righty. Have a great day, Josh. Thank you. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of E-Commerce Answers. If you have ideas for topics you believe we should be exploring, send a note to podcast at acorin.com, or you can fill out the contact form on our website. If you'd like to participate and be a guest, we welcome those inquiries too. Thanks so much for listening, and we look forward to bringing you our next episode.